When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme on what is, uh, the, is this the last Monday? It is the last Monday in February. Goodness me, another month flying by. Hopefully we find you all in good form and that you had a nice uh, weekend. And it's sort of, it's one of those things when you say to somebody, did you have a nice weekend? Same old, same old. Every day seems to roll into the next one. Uh, but hopefully you managed to do something over the weekend that maybe put a smile on your face or you managed to enjoy something uh, over the weekend. John Paul is taking your calls at 1850 text and whatsapping at 0862 103 103 and actually somebody and thank you for somebody sending in this text because I was going to mention it but when a text comes in it reminds me to mention it uh, somebody says Patricia I think today we should all spare a thought for Dr Tony Houlihan's wife Emer, who sadly passed away most of us only know no Dr. Tony through the media, but he's done so much for us for dealing with this pandemic while at the same time dealing with his own troubles. Could everybody just take a minute at 12.30 today? And the reason that the listener mentions 12.30 today, because today her funeral mass, uh, Dr. Emer's funeral mass is uh, taking place. May she rest in peace. And absolutely our thoughts are with uh, Dr. Tony and his two children, and what a, a tough, tough time they've had of late. And of course, none of us knew that Dr. Tony Hulohan's wife was even sick until in July, wasn't it? He stood down in, and he took time out because she was going into palliative care at that stage. And my goodness, what a fighter she must have been. She lasted uh, right through over Christmas and uh, right into the new year and into uh, February. So then we got the news on Friday, even though... A couple of listeners last week had started to say, where was Dr. Tony, that they hadn't seen him at any of the press uh, briefings. And I mentioned it earlier in the week. And my gut was wondering, is, 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 were we getting close to the end with his wife? And obviously that wasn't something they were going to announce. And obviously that was why for the last, I think, about two weeks, he hadn't been seen at any of the press briefings. So may his wife, Ema, rest in peace. And yes, we do very much think of uh, Dr. Tony and his uh, children. Tough road ahead for them, for sure. Now, a new 
new vaccination cohort could be created by Cabinet tomorrow and this is something that certainly will come at very welcomed, as very welcomed news to a lot of people. These are people who are immune suppressed and it looks like that this new category for the vaccine will cross all of the age age groups. It won't be just for, say, people over the age of 60 with uh, who are immune compromised or people over the age of 65. It seems a letter to the government from the National Immunisation Advisory Committee has agreed with the submission which had been sent into the committee by ministers that those with severe risk-to-life conditions should advance up the queue for the jab. And I have to say, I don't don't know why a lot of these people, when the very first list came out of the priority group, I don't know why these people weren't included. We're talking about people who are on kidney dialysis. We've spoken with a number of those on on this programme. Uh, People who have received any kind of a transplant, people with Parkinson's disease, people with cystic fibrosis. There are some of the groups that have been been, uh, mentioned and it seems that TDs from all parties and none have been inundated with queries from medically challenged groups as to when they might qualify for the vaccine. So Cabinet will decide on this new priority placing for people who are medically vulnerable and they'll do it tomorrow and they may even decide on a new cohort to maintain as much of the current schedule as possible. It's now thought that the immune suppressed could actually be vaccinated before the over 70s. We know we're at the over 85s, we're into the second of three weeks. They reckon three weeks and all the over 85s will be done and then they'll come back down along from the 80 to 85, 75 to 80 and then 70 to to 75. There's now talks in the papers today that they may formulate this new group of people and that they would give them priority ahead of some of the people over the age of 70. That'll go down like a lead balloon now with anybody over the age of 70 listening to us at the moment. But what's disappointing is it's not believed that the carers of a lot of that group will automatically be prioritised on the basis of the conditions of those they care for, even though many of the carers are a person so linked with the outside world and therefore if the carer contracted COVID-19, the patient obviously then would face a risk of death. Ministers, it seems, are remaining tight-lipped over the weekend, but they have acknowledged that concrete decisions will be made tomorrow after the National Immunisation Advisory Committee give its, uh, when its formal advice is discussed today. And of course, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee are the committee that were they gave the advice on who should get the vaccination first and that obviously led to the focus on residents and staff in nursing homes and I think everybody accepted that that was the right way to go. They were the group which had seen the most fatalities in this country so nobody was going to dispute that and then of course they then the frontline health workers were next on the list. Again nobody agreed with that. That's then followed into the over 85s which is where we are at now. This new at-risk crash category will get their vaccines if this is the case if they do agree on this list tomorrow they do agree on this new category and if they do agree that this new category should be prioritised now it would mean that many people in that at-risk category could expect to get their vaccines in the next few weeks or months should they be given the priority in relation to the vaccines that are, are currently available. So that certainly would be very welcome news for a lot of people who are suffering from very serious conditions and complaints who have effectively shielded the term 
born prisoner in their own homes. Now almost a year when you look at it because we're coming up to March when the first lockdown began and for some people they haven't left home because of the condition they suffer from because they know that if they picked up COVID-19 it isn't even a case of oh I'll chance it and see how I get on getting COVID-19 could actually uh, kill them. The Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald uh, she's very much trying to prioritise the carers because she says there's about half a million carers in this country who could be should be prioritised. Some of those carers are caring for those immune suppressed and very vulnerable uh, people. But the government believe because there are so many carers in this country at half a million that that number is simply too high. Whereas the people in the at-risk cohort that we're talking about, the people immune suppressed, people suffering with various life-threatening conditions, they reckon that's between 10 and 20,000 they can't get an accurate figure on uh, that. So they'd be the at-risk group that they would include. But they feel that there's just simply too many carers for all carers to be uh, prioritised. So that will be disappointing news for uh, family carers who I know have been doing a big push of late to try to get included in the vaccination programme to at least get mentioned somewhere in the vaccination sequence. 1850-333-103. Uh, John Paul, taking your calls, you can text her WhatsApp 0862 and can I report to you because I promised that I would I sent a parcel to Devon in England last Wednesday I posted it after the programme so it was just before three o'clock I made it into the uh, post office and would you believe that parcel arrived safe and sound in Devon on Saturday morning now they do have uh, they do have weekend uh, post but I couldn't get over how quick it came because when I mentioned it last week when we were getting so many texts in from people who had sent parcels back in November I think there was one parcel actually went in October now in fairness this was to Australia and to New Zealand and last week we got a slew of texts in from people saying their loved ones in Australia and New Zealand had contacted them to say that the Christmas parcel finally arrived and there was a great bit of excitement about it and that's when I mentioned that I'd sent a parcel and it's my first parcel that I've sent particularly since Brexit and wondering, you know, how long it was going to take. And somebody had said that they had sent a parcel and it took eight days. So that's what I was expecting. I was expecting at least probably to the end of this week before the parcel would arrive. So I was pleasantly surprised when that parcel arrived on uh, Saturday morning. And then on Saturday, something happened that I got notified about. And I'm going to mention it. A, to see, did anybody see anything? And B, I suppose, to highlight it for parents to be careful of what young people and young children can get up to when they're out and uh, about. But a, a, a lady in the Mallow area, it says that her boyfriend was out for a walk by Gub- St. Gublin's Graveyard in uh, Mallow. And that's the old Cork Road, big wide road, residential area, quite a busy road because it's the road that most people would take if they're, for example, heading to Cork City. But it's, it's, it's quite a busy spot at the best of times. So about four o'clock on Saturday, this guy was out for a walk and a hundred euro dropped out of his pocket. And he sort of in a fluster realised, oh, I've dropped the money. And before he, he could go to pick it up, two young girls, he reckons they were only about eight or nine. So, I mean, these are teenage girls. These are young girls. Picked up the money and he said, sorry, girls, that's just falling out of my pocket. And they refused to give it back and they walked away. Now, he didn't have a phone with them, so he wasn't able to ring anyone to say, can you come and help me out? And he was, because of the girl's age, he was 
didn't want to start following them home you know, for fear somebody would say some queer hawk is following my girls home and all of that. And he just, just, he just said he just didn't want to follow them home. But anyway, we're putting the shout out to see if anybody saw the incident happened. And also, does anybody have CCTV around that area of the old Cork Road close by St. Gubnett Cemetery in Mallow? Was anything picked up maybe on somebody's dash cam? And also putting the shout out in case those two young girls obviously went home at some stage. And, you know, if a young girl comes in with 150 euro or 100 euro, you'll straight away question, where does an eight or a nine-year-old get money like that? Or if they were in a shop, you know, buying a lot of sweets and handing in a 50 euro note, you know, it might just raise alarm bells uh, with uh, people. And, uh, you know, for for the the family in question, it was their, their shopping money for the week. You know, and 100 euro is, is a lot of money to a lot of people. And it certainly is a big sum of money for little girls of eight or nine. So maybe parents might have noticed and might start to question where the money came from. I mean, the... The family in question here and the guy in question here, they don't want the little girls to get into any trouble. They just would really appreciate the money back. And as I say, that happened about four o'clock on Saturday afternoon in the Mallow area. A lot of people I can see by some of the comments coming in. Not happy campers today. John in Carrigaline says, Patricia, what do your listeners think of this? I have a neighbour who took the bus to Dublin on Friday. He wanted to go away for the weekend. He's due back today. Isn't that a disgrace, says John in Carrigaline. There are plenty of rules in this country, but there's nobody to enforce them. No wonder the Brazilian strain of COVID is here. Wait until that takes hold. Vaccines could all be a waste of time too, says John in Carrigaline. Well, there's really good evidence that vaccines are working, uh, John, so hang on to that uh, bit of hope. And it certainly is working against a lot of the newer strains. I know the Brazilian one is uh, the newest one to land on our shores. But I would suggest, John, when you're a good neighbour, uh, and I say that loosely, comes back from uh, Dublin. Keep well away from him because we're doing so well in Cork. We're now second from the bottom in the list of counties when it comes to the number of live COVID uh, cases. Whereas the same can't be said about Dublin. How stupid of your neighbour to go to an area where you know the COVID numbers are higher than they are in the wonderful county that he is uh, leaving. Uh, shame on him for doing it. And, and I don't know what's happening with buses. Do the Gardaí get on buses and ask people why they're going and where they're going? has to be an essential reason for your travel. Heading away to Dublin for the weekend, for a weekend away is not essential travel. And then another listener says, what is the government thinking of? They had 10 months to put some kind of legislation in place for hotel quarantining. This is badly needed as we now have the Brazilian virus on our shores. Their priority should have been to keep it out. Then we hear they're going to extend opening hours of pubs and clubs. It's crazy. A lot of pubs will never reopen. I'm mad as hell about this. I've been cocooning for the last 12 months and I'm really beginning to get sick of it all, says a texter with no name on that. I think summing up how a lot of people are feeling. And then John says, good morning, Patricia. I need to rant here for a minute, please, regarding how our government is operating this COVID crisis. It is my view that this government has lost control of managing the virus. Just look at where we are now. 12 months into it. Cases are very high. Thousands travelled into and out of this country to all parts of the globe with little obstruction from the government since last December, bringing new variants of the virus into our island, which could now undermine our vaccines. Now on to vaccines. We're getting trickles and nowhere near what you would call a proper rollout. Should not even all of our frontline medical workers
workers are fully vaccinated yet. Just listen to any politician here when asked, why can't we shut our borders to protect our our population like they've done in New Zealand or Australia? did with unreal success. Our politicians will ramble on for eternity about how it's impossible to do it. Isn't it just mind-blowingly ridiculous how our little island has a border that runs a couple of hundred miles with Northern Ireland and it's impossible to secure it? Didn't they control that very same border when foot and mouth arrived in this country? People, people now listened this morning to our government saying it'll be another two weeks before the legislation is passed to enforce travellers into hotel isolation once arriving on our shores. But it will then take two to three weeks after that to get it up and running. That's another month. Where will that take us? Into April. People are fast running out of confidence in the government's handling of this mess. Our government seem to be more interested in getting sound bites out before one another in the media without giving a straight answer to a simple question. It would be hard to vote for any of them ever again on this performance. Thank you for the counselling session Patricia, says John. Sometimes it is good to rant and John you know, I think everything that you've put in that, as you say, rant in that that um, text to us I think sums up how a lot of people I think a lot of people listening to that will be turning to if they're lucky enough to somebody in the kitchen with them to say wasn't that exactly what I was saying at the weekend so many people are pointing to that very issue of the hotel quarantine why can't we why didn't we put it in we'd loads of time to get it organised we've known since last March that we need to we need to protect our country and stop these different variants coming in and and nothing seemed to have been put in place. And John is right. Every time there was a reason why we go, we can't do that because or we can't do that because we need legislation for this. And now suddenly there is a big push. And even with a big push on, it's going to take two weeks to pass legislation, two to three weeks to get it up and running. So John is right. It will be April by the time we probably fully have hotel quarantine on our shores. Uh, so thank you for your text, uh, John and breathe. <laughs> 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You can see a lot of texts and calls coming in and I will get around to them, I promise you. But I want to speak with a West Cork councillor who's spoken of his anger at seeing people going on sun holidays from Dublin Airport while he was recovering from his own COVID experience. Skibbereen for Fall Councillor Joe Carroll uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing very well. And firstly, I have to ask you, how are you uh, feeling now? Well, yeah, I, I'm very much on the right side of it now. I think I've, it's behind me. And um, I wouldn't be 100% by any means. No. I won't be running any marathon for a while or anything like that. But uh, all I have to say to you is that uh, what I got, I wouldn't wish it to anybody. Wish it on anybody. And... Um, Okay, take me back. When 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 were you diagnosed? Oh, it is about three weeks ago, last Tuesday, I think. Yeah, three weeks ago, last Tuesday, and it, uh, I felt very badly for four or five days. I thought it's some kind of a flu, but then I rang the doctor and he said, "Oh, you certainly have to get tested," and I did, and I was positive. I got the news today that I was positive. But what I went through for eight or nine days, I can tell you one thing. <laughs> it's easy to be funny and, and make jokes after, but when you are, when you if you ever watch one of those those crime things in America there on the television where four or five fellas will come around a fellow with baseball bats and give them a good hammering. That's how I felt now for about five days. I thought I, every bone in my body ached and uh, temperatures 
sweat one minute, cold the next minute, no appetite. This was a hell for about eight or nine years. And as I said, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And uh, So you know, people who say, Asher, COVID's only a bad flu, you'll be fine. What do you say to them? Uh, I can tell you, I've been through it. And I know I've been told that it, it affects everybody different. Mm. I know that for a fact. And it's, uh, the, the people that I read pity for are the people that it affects their lungs. I think they suffer an awful lot, what I'm told. And uh, I think those are the people that suffer. But it's, uh, no, no, anybody who's trivializing um, this thing, they're fools. Fools, in my, in, in my opinion. And that's not a tall, tall smart. And honestly, uh, when, when, I, when I said I was angry with people going on holidays, I am very bitter and angry with those people. Not for me, no, mind you. Not for me, but for the people who lost loved ones. And for most, most importantly of all, for the frontline workers who put in the, they, what they are doing for our country at the moment and what they are doing to keep, keep us alive and what they are doing to keep some bit of sanity and normality around the place. They are not getting appreciated for it at all. And to think, you know, we are, like, if you know me making a comparison, Patricia, you take a, a, a nurse living in an estate in, the, in Cork or anywhere at all. She, she leaves her family in the morning, her husband and three or four children, and she uh, has to get into this outfit for the day for 12 hours. Uh, this is like going to battle, going to a battle zone for 12 hours. She'll do a half shift now. It won't, this, isn't, this isn't a picnic by any means. And, and when she'll come home in the evening, she'll have to shower before she'll meet her family again and meet her family. Can you imagine how she would feel when she was told that her neighbours down the road decided that they'd take off for a holiday to Tenerife? And uh, these people actually thought they were smart because they could get a bogus dental appointment of some sort. I mean, it must be so destroying for that. Yeah, person. people Open thinking they were pulling a fast one. Sure, look at us going off to Lanzarote and we grace. Yeah. yeah. They I, 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 these people actually think they were smart, but I, 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 I think I have news for these people. They're pathetic. They're sick. If they think they're going to be smart, we'd all have to go on a holiday. We'd all have to go on a holiday. But it means to think that your neighbours up the road are going into a hospital six days a week fighting for to keep the people alive and you think it's a good idea to go on a holiday. I, I actually think those people who want to have a, have a, sit down and have a, re, have, a, have a chat with themselves and think, no, they weren't smart at all. They're very opposite, I thought, Patricia. They were, they were. Did anybody else in your house, uh, Joe, contract COVID along with you? Well, my wife did as well, but not not as bad as me. No, she was um, she had, she was low, felt very low, and didn't have energy and uh, uh, headaches and things like that. And... Um, no, but she didn't suffer the same pain as I did at all. Thank no, God, no, thank no. God. And, and do you firmly believe the virus was brought into the West Cork region over Christmas by people, by visitors? Well, I don't want to doubt about it. I mean, what, what, what we are doing with, with, our, with our coastline is, 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 is ridiculous. We've been told over and over and over that New Zealand is a success. I, I, I heard somebody when I was saying something in some radio that a lot of islands around the world are a success, not alone New Zealand. And the very reason being is because there's immediate quarantine the minute you enter the country. Now, we left 47 or 48,000 people into this country from the British, from Britain at Christmas time. Now, I had a man saying one day on the radio, you know, we're doing very well in this country. He said, it's like you'll finish your field and let the gates open. Same thing. Finish the field and let the gates wide open. So, this, I mean, if the airports are wide open and people come, can come in from anywhere, and in particular, we heard of the story where up to 2,000 of them came back from, from Brazil. Well, it's rampant in Brazil. All sorts of strains of it. So we're not, we're, they're actually talking about people breaking the five kilometer rule and the five this and that. I don't know. I think they have to stand back again. We have to 
quarantine immediately. Anyone coming into the country, well, and I, I, I actually think that the time that they closed down Leash, Kildare, and uh, and Offaly there in, 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 in August, I think was or something. Yeah, that was that we, we were down below uh, in low numbers at him. That was the time to lock down Dublin Airport, lock it down, and keep the people out of it and keep the people away. And, and yet today, you, you t- we're still hearing about legislation needs to be passed to get the hotel quarantines up and running. Uh, do you think? Do you think no, the no. government have failed us on that? Well, honestly, you know, I'll have to say, you know, I have to say that if you want to do something, you don't have to follow legislation around around like a fool for a week or two or three weeks. If it's if it's if it's a real necessity, it can be done. We have proven that with bills before. They were brought in in twenty four hours in some cases. So I honestly think they want to get off, get up, and, and have a look at this and take it take it more seriously. Yeah, because the twenty th- or the two thousand Brazilians you're talking about, they came in in the month of January. We're not talking about all across last year. They were the Bra- I mean, many of those Brazilians will be workers in this country who went home for Christmas and then and then came back. They went home for Christmas. A lot of them, I know that. <laughs> they came back into this country as if it was, it just, there was nothing at all happening anywhere. I said, look, somebody. And I, 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 I never forget when this no news broke across there about three or four weeks ago when. Somebody reported in the nine o'clock news that there were four hundred people came into Dublin Airport from Lanzarote. And I, I believe not one of those people were interviewed by the Garda. <laughs> I mean, like that actually gave the the credence that I gave the go ahead to anyone else who wanted to go. They said, "Sure, look, if you want me to stop, why not go?" You know. So there, there, there's a very poor defence. We're, we're not putting up a proper defence, and if we were, if we're serious about this business, we have to put up a proper defence of our ports. And, 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 or, 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 and that's or, how, or, when you mention Australia, New Zealand, that's how they've, they haven't stopped flights into the country. They've very much limited them. But you get off a plane and you are frog-marched into a hotel that you pay for yourself and you stay in that hotel room, not just staying, it's not staying in the hotel and, oh, I'll pop down to the swimming pool. You're in a room in a hotel and you stay there for 14 days and you're constantly tested throughout that 14 days. And it's a simple enough model, but it works. It works, and that rule is for everybody because we did see in the last couple of weeks there where some some of the top professional tennis players in the world they had to avoid by the same rules. They had to get into a hotel and stay there as well. So I mean, if people if there's law if there's laws put in front of people, people will abide by them, and that's that's what we should be doing. That's what we should be doing here. And I again, I am I'm I'm, I'm pretty mad and pretty sick, and, and I'd love to meet somebody who went on holidays in the past month and say and just stand in front of them and look them straight in the face and say, Do you think you're smart? But we even this morning, uh, Joe, one of my first texts in was from a man in John in Carrigaline to say his neighbour got on a bus and went off to Dublin for the weekend on Friday and and, and is due back today. Bearing in mind that we know some of the highest levels of COVID cases are in Dublin and we're doing so well here in Cork. I mean, he could come back from Dublin with more than just a stick of rock. He could come back with COVID. Well... If he was going to Dublin to stay with his daughter or his son for the weekend, I, I might accept that, maybe. But if he was going to Dublin to stay in an Airbnb or a bed or, or a B&B or a hotel or whatever, well, no, there should be questions asked about that, where that man was going. You know, that just, Somebody uh, wants to know, it. has Joe any idea how he got COVID? Have you any idea? I have no idea. No. I have no idea, and I can assure you, I wasn't, I wasn't breaking any rules or regulations. I would do it. What I did most days, I went downtown and I got the paper and I got a bottle of milk. If I was told, I, got, I, I, I whatever I was told to get in the shop, I, I got it. I didn't spend long in the shop. Maybe I had a conversation with the people around the shop, and that's I just look. It, maybe maybe I went to another shop just as well, but I never went where there was crowds. 
uh, or anything like that. And um, I can't, um, no, I can't actually say what I got. Yeah, I think yeah. you, can pick, you can pick it up anywhere at all as far as I know. Yeah, and somebody else says, how can, can anybody explain why, why there are foreign exchange students in this country? See me, there's foreign uh, exchange so students arriving all the time. They, they arrived into Dublin there and there was people to meet them and that, this is money. This is money talking. This is people. These are people who are getting paid to house these people and they were, they're not going to lose their money. They want they want their business to continue. Well, you know, again, it's going back. I mean, I, I'll have to say it's the government. I'll have to say the government has to pull out the stops here and say, listen, if there are, we, we have to get more serious for our law and order regarding this thing. It's not going to go away unless we make sure we drive it away. And it's like somebody said, so there last year when it all started off, this is like a war, a total world war, only we don't have bullets and, and we're going to have to fight it. But, uh, when, I, when I'm talking about the people going holidays there, I wouldn't be telling them going to war with me anyway, I can assure you. Yeah. There wouldn't be much help here. So, and there this, we are. And this is, this is a war for sure. Okay, listen, glad yeah. to hear that yourself and your wife are well on the road to recovery, which is, which is the good news, uh, Joe. In the meantime, stay safe and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, West Cork uh, Fianna Fáil Councillor Joe Carroll. 1850 at 333103. Lines open. Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie A number of children's charities, including the Children's Rights Alliance, the National Parents Council and Bernardo's, have joined forces in a new campaign urging the government to prioritise the reopening of schools and to keep them open. Anya Lynch of the National Parents Council Primary Section uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Anya. Good morning. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Uh, what effect do you believe is the ongoing closure of schools having on our primary school children? Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, it's, it's having an effect on all children, but it's having a more severe um, impact uh, for some children more than others. But I mean, I think all children at this stage from being out of school are, are being impacted. They're obviously being impacted in terms of their education and um, this is the, the second school closure. So that's kind of having a cumulative effect. But they're also having, uh, the effect is kind of their, their, their social um, development, their emotional development. They want to see their friends. They want to see their teachers. Um, that whole social connection is, is really important for children. I mean, it's important for all of us, but it's, it's particularly important for children. Um, and, and when we go back even to younger children, if, if you look at the sort of three or four-year-olds, they've kind of been in and out of lockdown for a third or a quarter of their lives at this stage. Yeah. And it's kind of critical times for these children in terms of their oral development, their social skills. And we really don't know at this stage what impact the lockdown is going to have, have on those very young children. And you carried out a survey at the National Parents Council, Anya, uh, asking parents, and the majority want the schools reopened. They do. I mean, when we asked them if they wanted, if, if, if public health advice said that schools were safe, would they want their children to go back? And 90% said that they would. Now, there was, there was a number of parents who were unsure, and then there was a really smaller amount who said no, that they wouldn't want them back. So there, so there is a small group of parents who, who still are very fearful about their children go back, but the vast majority of parents want their children to go back. Do you believe it can, they can go back safely? Yes. I mean, I think schools are very controlled, safe environments. So we found that between September and Christmas, um, schools did stay safe. And, and you know, the children and, and, and teachers and the whole school community kind of worked very well together to keep schools safe. I mean, they're often a lot more 
a lot safer and more controlled than than outside of the school because you, you can manage those safety measures. So we do know that schools are safe, and that's backed up by the evidence that schools are safe places. But obviously, when when earlier in the year when there was a high community transmission, that was having an impact in terms of people moving. But I think it's also important to say, you know, when, when schools do go back, it's really important, as is happening to some extent, but we need to see it happen more, that the most vulnerable children get back into school first. And um, that would be one of our concerns at the moment in terms of some of the plans that are being discussed don't seem to be addressing that issue. Yeah, because, I mean, what they're talking about now, and, and we should have more clarity on it uh, this week, the younger primary school pupils are expected mm. to return uh, as uh, at the beginning of March. And then, what, is it, there'll be like a two-week gap to see how that goes? Is, is, is that what's been spoken about? That seems to be the general discussion. So what we'd be saying is we'd really welcome those um, those early years to come back, the, the junior, senior infants, um, and then first and second class. But that with those, we need to see the vulnerable children from third, fourth, fifth and sixth class come back as well, that they can't wait any longer to be brought back. And at the moment, they don't seem to be in the plan. And, and we're really concerned about that because all along, those children have been in the plan. They have been being prioritised. I mean, you might remember back in January when we thought we were going to have some level of school opening in terms of special schools and special classes. And then these children in mainstream classes as well were also included in that plan. But, but they're not being discussed at the moment. So we would we would really urge um, everybody who's, who's involved in, in that in government to make the decision to bring those children back as well. We're hearing from, we're inundated in phone calls and emails from, from parents of children who are in mainstream and really very vulnerable, struggling, special education needs, um, other vulnerable children as well. I mean, when you, when you think that some, some families are living in direct provisions, some living in homeless situations, we might have families that have got serious mental health issues within the family. And all of these children, for school, school was such a part of their, you know, their positivity in their day and, and, and their refuge in some ways. So them being out of school is really having a bigger impact on them. And, and also, that they're not as, it's not as easy for those children, or if at all possible for those children, to be doing the remote learning. So we really need to see those children prioritised in terms of coming back. And when schools eventually do reopen, uh, Anya, parents will really have a role to play, won't they? You know, keeping your child at home if they have been exposed to COVID or if they've got any symptoms or anyone in the household has symptoms. Yeah, and that's really, really significant. It's, it can't be just the, the school staff on their own job to, to keep the schools open. All members of the school community have to play their part. So particularly parents have to be very clear about what the rules are with the school, support them and reinforce them with their children at home so that they're reinforcing the same messages. So children are seeing that the adults in their lives are, are together on the messages. There's nothing more undermining that if schools are trying to do one thing in the school and then when they get home, parents are kind of dismissing those rules. So it's really important that parents, you know, support the school's rules and that, as you say, that, that they're... Um, keeping their children home if there's any symptoms or there's been any contact. The, the only way we can keep schools open is to keep COVID out of the schools. Mm. So that, that takes a whole community, school community effort to make sure that that happens. Okay, one of our listeners has a question for you and this is something that regularly comes up on the programme here. Could you please ask Anya how she feels about parents congregating outside the school gates? Lucy said it's particularly bad or was particularly bad at her uh, school and people not social distancing and not wearing masks. What does Anya think and should there be recommendations on it? 
Yeah, and we're working with the department at the moment about trying to make recommendations on that. Now, it, it is slightly difficult because it's outside of the school gates, so, you know, the school can't have a direct, um, you know, control over that. But I think what we need to do is make sure that there's clear messages going out to parents not to do it. And it really does fall into that category of the only way we can keep the schools open is if we keep COVID out of them. And if there's a whole load of safety measures being put in in the school, but then parents uh, are meeting and spending long time talking to each other without masks, without social distancing at the school gates, then that is going to impact the, the, the ability to keep the school open because that's how we know that the virus is transmitted. So once it starts getting transmitted between the parents, we know it will be in the school. So we absolutely, as much as people have missed seeing each other and feel that they need that support, I think it's better maybe if the parents' association in a school can get involved and maybe organise some online coffee mornings or, or, or something like that. And, and, and really, I suppose, help support the message that really parents can't congregate at school gates. They have to kind of drop the children and go, as, as difficult as that might be. Okay, and uh, another listener is saying that she's really not coping with the remote learning. Do you hear from a lot of parents, uh, Anya, at the Parents' Council, some people really struggling with remote learning? Yeah, very much so. And and that was part of the survey that we did. We were also asking about remote learning. And and it's clear that parents are putting in a huge amount of time um, to support their children with their remote learning. And children are really struggling. Motivation is now a key issue for, for children, parents trying to keep their children motivated. I mean, a lot of learning, particularly in primary school, is done in a group setting. You know, we now see in the primary school classroom the, the kind of cluster of tables where children work together in groups. And, and children in primary school just are not independent learners. So it's, it's particularly difficult for parents at this time. And what, what I'd say is, it, you know, if you're struggling, take a break try and do a bit of fun activities. Learning can be done through many, many different activities as well. And if you go onto our website, mpc.ie, we have a whole range of activities you can do with your children that, that are fun. And, and also there's a learning element to them. So take a break, maybe do something um, a, a bit a bit more fun, kind of. Uh, maybe go, I don't know what it's like down in Cork, but I'm in Dublin today and the weather's fabulous. Gorgeous here as well, yeah. Yeah, go out and do a nature walk or, or do something that... that that you can kind of break that um, deadlock because what we don't want to see at the end of all of this is that, that, that family relationships become very stressed because of the remote learning. Parents' involvement in children's learning is absolute, research has shown is absolutely key. So we don't want to make that a really negative relationship. After all, this is over. We need parents and children to be engaging around their education. So if, if it is becoming a clash, take a break, do something else. Um, as, as I said, you know, maybe go out for a nature walk or, you know, do something, you know, as I said, we've got a huge amount of um, resources on our website that you could try out. Yeah. But, um, and I think I, I, share with your class, the class teacher, share with your, your son or daughter's teacher that you, you are under pressure or your son or daughter's under pressure. Absolutely. I mean, communication with the school is is really important, really important. And we need to be making sure because I think, I mean, even if you if you can try and remember before COVID, <laughs> um, we, we were all talking about homework. Yeah. Now, now all the work's being done at home. But one of the things we're saying is that it's really important that parents aren't doing the work for children on homework and that children are able to do it. And if they're not, that the teacher needs to know that because they need to put the right supports in. So now we kind of have that just 100% of the time. That, that If children are really struggling around particular um, subject areas or, or, or topics, that the teacher needs to know that because they need to set the work that suits that child 
or give them extra support to be able to do it. Because I think sometimes parents at the moment are feeling under huge pressure to be the teacher for their child. And what I'd always say is there's a reason that teachers go to college for four years to learn how to do it. You know, just because you know maybe how to do uh, multiplication doesn't mean to say you can teach it. <laughs> so so sometimes it can get very frustrating because the child's trying to do it one way, the parent's trying to do it another way, and it finishes up in a big row. So it's really important that you link in with the teacher consistently through those struggles. Okay. Um, both, give, go, both giving back positive feedback of what's working well but also the areas that are really challenging the child. Well done. Good words of advice as always. Stay safe, Anya, and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Good thanks. morning to you. That is Anya Lynch, who is with the National Parents Council at Primary uh, se- uh, Sector. 1850 Have I? Let me go to... This is on school gates and pickups that I touched on there with uh, Anya. Margaret joins me. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. Uh, this is the listener who was asking Anya's advice about parents congregating outside the school gates. What have yeah. you noticed? Well, what I've noticed is uh, because I there's a pickup in in Donnell at twenty to two and twenty to three. Now the twenty to two isn't too bad because you only have the uh, the seniors and 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 juniors coming out, but the twenty to three then they all come out together. But they all come out together at twenty to two as well. But well, what I was thinking, and I've I said it to a lot of parents, if they Staggered the times that they gave five minutes in between the classes coming out. But tell the parents before the schools reopen again that they're not allowed to come to the gate unless their time is there. So you release the class at half one, 25 to one, and then uh, 20, 20 to. No, half yeah. one. Half uh, one, what, yeah, one thirty, one thirty-five, and one forty. Yeah. Well, the, then, the, there's only two classes come out at uh, 20 to two, so that'd be half one. 25 to 2. Yeah, and then and do, then do the same with the older classes. Then yeah. you have first, second, third, fourth, fifth and sixth. So you, you have six classes coming out together like. Yeah, and do they all need to be standing outside the gate? Oh, well, uh, they, they need to be standing at the front door if they wanted to be there. Most of them. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, you know, it's ridiculous. Like, there's, there's a group of us, like, we, we kind of stand away from another. But we stand way, way back up. Now, we've told the children where we are. Yeah. So the children will come out and they'll come straight to us. You have older children, though, is it? Well, they'd be uh, first, second and third. Oh, class. yeah, OK. All right, yeah, yeah. I, so, I mean, that's know. a good idea as well. Tell them I'll be down there at the corner. Yeah, yeah. well, no, they would see us. They would see you, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They would see us. I mean, we wouldn't be too far away. But, like, there is plenty of room for everybody to stand back. But there isn't, to be honest, there isn't plenty of room when they all come out together. And do you notice parents all on top of each other? No masks, oh, everybody yeah. having the yeah. chats? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. And it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. everywhere. It's, it's not, not just during school. Place, no. All right, Margaret, thank you for that. Thanks for in the next hour, we'll take a look at some of your thoughts and comments coming into the programme. Also, we're going to be hearing from a local hotel atelier uh, sharing their, his views on the hospitality sector and, of course, the news from Michal Martin that looks like the hospitality sector won't reopen until the middle of the summer. 1850 John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 086. To 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 
Con on Twitter reacting to Councillor Joe Carroll who spoke to us in the last hour about his own experience of having COVID and how annoyed he is that the country is still open and allowing flights in and people aren't quarantining the way they're meant to be quarantining and why the hotel quarantine uh, isn't in place and actually a number of people agreeing with uh, Joe that if it's legislation is needed when the government need legislation passed in a hurry when it suits them they seem to be able to do it but when it's something that's really affecting everyone there seems to be added delays Khan disagrees and he says nonsense people who are flying in and out are the healthiest and most tested of everybody in this country the case numbers from travel are minuscule the South African and Brazilian governments are so concerned about their own variants that they've lifted restrictions which is showing they're not worried uh, about the variants at all Okay, and I accept the case numbers directly linked to travel are low but you can't say that it's nonsense that people are flying into this country are the healthiest and, and most tested. Yes, they are the most uh, tested, Cam, but we know that people have tested negative 72 hours before boarding a plane, then get on a flight, travel, and then if they retest they end up discovering that they have COVID-19. It happened with the three cases that were highlighted on Friday night of the Brazilian, the three Brazilians who came back from Brazil. They had tested negative. They couldn't have got on a plane without a negative test. They arrived back. Now, it looks like they did everything right and that they quarantined. They got tested again. I don't know if they got tested, though, because they were feeling unwell or they decided to get tested on day five, which is what's recommended. But when they got tested, it turned out all three of them and they were all living together in the one house they're in the one cluster uh, all of them had COVID-19 so you can't say that everybody coming into this country are the healthiest yes they're the most tested but they're certainly not the healthiest they can still have a negative test and still end up testing positive uh, a couple of days later and I mean the South African the Brazilian the UK variant that didn't blow in across the Irish Sea that came in with somebody who travelled into this uh, country. So I think you're wrong in saying that we shouldn't be putting tighter restrictions on our border, but you are entitled to your opinion and thank you for it. Marion Grange was on to say she was in the playground in Douglas yesterday. She said the place was packed. Now it was a gorgeous afternoon and I suppose people took the opportunity to get their children out and about after the couple of days we'd had with the wet weather. But anyway, everybody seemed to congregate at the one time. Marion felt really uncomfortable. She said the park was packed act she couldn't spot anybody wearing masks. She felt so uncomfortable at one stage that she went outside of the park and rang the guards as it just seemed to be getting busier and busier. She stayed for an hour outside drinking her cup of coffee. She said the guard, they didn't arrive. She said maybe they did afterwards. But she said we need to watch our local parks. And I know Neffert will say you are safer outside but you still need to be giving yourself the two metre social distancing. I know for children they don't advise that but certainly for the adults that that's what you need to do. Rosie and Don Manway believes is... Uh, is, says every word that Councillor Joe Carroll said is true, particularly about having our locking down the borders and if we are going to allow flights in to have the quarantine hotels up and uh, running, can they not just skip with all of the legislation and get it passed as quickly as possible? Pat is worried about lobby groups. He says over the weekend a lot of lobby groups were out in force lobbying the government for the easing of restrictions. We have the churches coming out looking for the churches to reopen for the Easter services Uh, We had the Vintners Federation, Hotel Federation, looking for the bars to open. Uh, The government bent to pressure from lobby groups before Christmas and look where that got us. It'll happen all over again if they bow to lobbyists again, says uh, Pat. 
and John in Mallow said so many people came into Ireland to work in meat factories and now we have the Brazilian strain on our shores we really need to look at this and prevent people coming in like this the Irish are in lockdown we are all doing as much as we can and staying within our 5k but you know what's happening when we're allowing people to fly into this country Irish people are getting more and more frustrated and certainly judging by some of the calls and comments coming in today I can really sense that frustration actually we have a Twitter poll running should the government now consider regional lockdowns as the cases are dropping in some counties now we're being a bit selfish probably on this one because Cork we here in Cork now we have the second lowest 14 day incident rate of COVID-19 per 100,000 in the country. These are the figures that were released yesterday evening from the Department of Health. The 14 day incident rate for nationally stands at 243 per 100,000 but here in Cork we are just above 97 per 100,000 and the only county lower is our good neighbours in Kerry. They are at 50.8 per 100,000 against a national average of 243. So with that in mind should we be looking at regional lockdowns rather than national lockdowns and that we open up counties where everything is going okay. Now, we don't open everything up, but we certainly would, for, for example, if there were easing restrictions for us here in Cork and Kerry, that we would be maybe allow, be allowed to travel between counties or maybe allowed to travel in our own counties and maybe some of our shops, our non-essential shops might be allowed to open while the numbers are kept low. Or are the government right to stick with this kind of national front where we're all in this together and every part of the country stays locked down? So if you want to he- head over to Twitter and have your say on that, or if you want to contact contact us with your uh, opinions. We'd love to hear from you as well. 1850 A couple of people are commenting on what has been spoken about extending the licensing laws in this country. And I have to say, we're getting both sides of the argument on uh, this. Uh, John O'Donovan in the city has been on to us on extending the licensing laws. He is, He thinks that it's a good concept. He said the nightclubs at the moment... Uh, the way they all close at the same time and everyone spills out in the street at the same time. We should do what is they're talking about doing in that you stagger, you leave the nightclubs open longer like what they do in other countries. Say, for example, you allow them to stay open until 5am in the morning. That's what they do in most of uh, Europe. That stops that thing of just before two at the moment where all the nightclubs close together. Everyone rushing into the bar to get the last of the shots in. Everybody falling out of the nightclubs at the same time into the chipper chippers and you know, then you get into antisocial behaviour and all of that and crowds out on the uh, street and people trying to get taxes, etc. So John is in favour of what they are talking about, the plans they are talking about to extend. This will be after, and we're not talking about this happening in the middle of a pandemic. This is going to be after when we come out of the uh, pandemic. 1850 What else is coming into us? There was somebody else on about that as well, if I can find it. Here it is. Extending opening hours. What does it mean? It means more drinking time at home, says this uh, texter. More drunkenness, more violence on Saturday nights, with the, which the Gardaí surely would not be happy with. Later opening on Sunday nights and Monday morning, a favourite time for Gardaí to breathalyse people. Extra licences, question mark, and pubs closing all over the country. The government are preaching about the pressure that alcohol puts on our health service and now they are looking for more outlets and outlets that are already open to stay open for longer. And with lots of question marks and exclamation marks, I take it to this 
person it is making absolutely no sense at all somebody else says we have to learn to live with Covid open the country up and let's get on with it people don't care anymore and would you blame them says a texter back to the Brazilians John and the Brazilians that arrived into this country we're told that about 2,000 Brazilian people arrived into this country during the month of January why are they here says John we are in lockdown there's only a few of us working is it the weather question mark are they maybe they're doing the ring of Kerry who is feeding these people along with the 90% of this uh, along with 90% of this country I don't know what that point means it's a disgrace so John okay the Brazilians coming in are not coming in to do the ring of Kerry and they're not coming in to stay in an Airbnb or, or a hotel they're workers they're people that are working predominantly not absolutely but predominantly they work in the meat uh, section in the meat plants and the reason that so many of them arrived back on our shores in January I was reading a piece earlier that a lot of the Brazilians that are over here in this country working in the meat plants they stock up all their holidays and then they take all their holidays at Christmas time and they go they go home they might go away go home for four weeks at Christmas because it's expensive obviously to travel between Brazil and uh, Ireland and this is what they've always done pre-pandemic uh, so that's what they did again this year they went home for Christmas and that's why so many of them all arrived back in January January, but they're certainly not here. There's, there's, I don't know how many, if you could get any figure on how many people are arriving here on holidays, but there certainly are not people coming doing the ring of, of uh, Kerry. So they're workers coming back into the country. Um, North Cork, and Patricia, I'm just sick of this virus now. Not everyone is sticking to the guidelines and it makes me so, so mad. Why don't they do what they're advised to do? We will never get through this pandemic if we don't all work together. Just this morning, I saw a man and a woman talking to each other. Neither of them had masks on. And by the way, they were not two metres apart. There's, now, there's a restaurant near me that she seems to not care at all about social distancing. And I question that because as far as I know, all the restaurants are closed. So I don't know what you're talking about there. And the town I live in is constantly packed every day. And as for the shops, well, you can't move in some of the shops. And the terrace I live in, you would think everybody else was immune to the virus. Uh, guess what, people? Everyone is at risk from COVID. COVID-19. Cop on all you people who think you won't get affected by this virus. Cop on, cop on, cop on. And that's what Joe Carroll, listening to Joe, he was making that point as well of people thinking, I sure forget it's only a flu, I'll be fine. It completely knocked the stuffing out of him and nearly a month on, he's still not 100% yet, but uh, thankfully he is getting there. We need uh, another texture. We need very strict uh, uh, restrictions now otherwise it will never end the government needs to act now and stop playing the fool well I think we're already on fairly tough restrictions with the level 5 we're trying to get everybody to abide by it I think is the problem Hi Patricia if primary school does go back does that mean play school will also go back as well it's ridiculous that they are leaving people into this country and we can't go further than our five kilometres well the government have been told just on your point about the play schools the government have been told that there should be scope to open childcare services and schools on a phased uh, basis the younger primary school pupils are expected to be the first to return to class from early March I think Monday the, the first of March is a Monday I think that's the kind of date they're, they're looking at but deliberate Operations are continuing as to when tens of thousands of children can return to creches and other childcare providers. The senior ministers are meeting today to finalise a revised Living with COVID plan and that's ahead of the full cabinet meeting uh, tomorrow. Now, when it's going to get announced, I don't know. I was talking to John Paul in the office. He reckons it's going to be Wednesday. The cabinet will meet tomorrow. 
could be tomorrow we don't know we'll see if we can try to find out have they any rough timeline on when the Taoiseach will, I'm assuming, will address the nation, will have one of those State of the Nation addresses where he'll come outside the door on the six o'clock news. Whether that'll happen Tuesday or Wednesday, I don't know. But it's to do with this living with COVID plan. Even though there's been so many interviews given by himself and by Leo Varadkar and by other senior ministers, I don't think we're going to be that surprised by anything that gets announced this week but maybe we will I don't know but I don't have an actual definitive day and time when the Taoiseach will address the nation and give us this plan this living with Covid uh, plan Hi Patricia I'm in total despair as to why I'm being stopped up to twice a day by the Gardaí to ask where I'm going and yet there are so many total strangers walking around the coastal area where I live in West Cork. It's happening every weekend and in smaller numbers during the week. How in God's name is this allowed? How are they getting here? We tried to do what we have been told to do, but I think we've been taken for fools. Take uh, care. It's like the listener, John in Carrigaline, who was saying about his friend or a neighbour jumping on the bus and heading to Dublin for, for a weekend away. Are they, are they not stopping buses and saying to people, is it, is it essential uh, journey, journeys? And it is frustrating if you live locally and you're constantly getting stopped and yet the perception is that there's people all around you who you don't feel are within your 5K and how are they getting away with it? Somebody else wants to know, and they spotted this up on Facebook, how Slimming World consultants were able to do their walks, put it up on Facebook and they're definitely outside of their uh, 5K. So I think when people see that, that's when people start to get annoyed and wonder why they're abiding by all of the rules and regulations. And Michael in Castletown Bear says, Patricia, hi. Yes, we are all looking forward to the summer holidays, but uh, but going abroad, that may be a suicide mission, not a holiday, certainly for this year. This summer, if we get the all clear, clear then we will be holidaying here in Ireland. We'll be having our staycations. It will be for both respective and patriotic in the sense of giving back something to the country that has helped us in bad times. I can assure you that this country has far more to offer than a lot of foreign destinations. Hopefully that the hospitality industry will not go mental with pricing as have a lot of destinations in the past and because only a shell of what they used and became only a shell of what they used to be. The greed of wealth is frightening. I cannot see an opening beginning to take bite at least until we have a considerable volume of vaccinations carried out. Again, that depends on the availability of vaccines and the second jab being completed. When that is done, we can really truly enjoy the everlasting beauty of the real Ireland and explore it to its utmost. Then and only then will we have tales to tell during the long uh, winter nights. Thanking you, says uh, Michael in uh, Castletown Bear. And you live in a beautiful neck of the woods. And yes, you are right. It will be staycationing. And uh, please God, the weather will stay fine for us as well, which will really make it even better. And the listener wants to thank Anya Lynch of the National Parents Council that that I spoke with in the last hour. She says, Thank you, Anne, for fighting for us with special needs in primary schools. I've had to increase my son's iPad just to try to keep him calm. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Qualified butcher is wanted for part-time position that's in the new market area and an apprentice butcher is also required. An Arctic driver 
with up-to-date CPC and digital tachograph card wanted. A mature person wanted to mind a two-year-old girl. That's in the child's own home and that's in the Mallow area. And part-time stores person is wanted for a distribution centre in uh, Quartertown. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. The Tourism Minister, Catherine Martin, is to bring a suite of measures to Cabinet to support the hospitality sector, which is facing a second summer of uncertainty. Minister Martin will encourage her Cabinet colleagues to extend the 9% VAT rate for the sector until 2025 and to continue the stay and spend scheme until at least the end of the year. Michael Magner is owner of the Vienna Woods and uh, Michael joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Okay, what I just mentioned there from Minister Catherine Martin, the to extend the VAT rate and to extend the stay and, stay and spend scheme. Is that enough? Um, well, anything that the government can do, Patricia, to, sub- to provide support to our sector is welcome. Um, but remember, in a period of closure, the 9% VAT rate, which was introduced after last year's budget, um, while it was welcome, the fact is the majority of tourism and hospitality businesses are closed at the moment. So if you're turning no money, <laughs> it's irrelevant because there's no VAT in that context then. And while the stay and spend initiative was welcomed, it is very complicated. And I think that governments need to consider uh, another way of, of uh, I suppose, recalibrating re- 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 that, no- that idea to, to make it more accessible for people to actually understand how, how something like this could work. I have to say, for the few months that it was there that restaurants and hotels were open, I couldn't find one person who had managed to negotiate it and say, yes, this is working. It just, you're right, it just did seem to be uh, way too complicated. So what other sort of supports will your industry desperately need? Well, look, I think it was well documented at the weekend, Patricia, that the, the expectation now um, and while the communication from government was it's ad hoc, um, we understand that we, we're now looking at perhaps a summer whereby our, our sector may not reopen until midsummer. And given commentary as well from members of NEFET at the weekend, there's a suggestion that hospitality could be outdoors, which is concerning. Remember, this uh, three weeks in three weeks' time, um, uh, you know, 270,000 people in the hospitality industry uh, were were, uh, primarily laid off and as part of that government introduced a suite of measures around the pop payment around uh, the temporary wage subsidy scheme which was replaced by the EWSS um, commercial rates waivers and uh, the bank moratoriums unfortunately as we move forward and as we grapple with this unfortunate news and we have to share this information with our employees we need to have some certainty about how we can get our businesses back up and running and that certainty Patricia is going to require further support further support for our people um, the 350 a week pop payment is, is not a huge amount of money and there are people really suffering and it's having an impact on their mental health and while nobody is taking away from the fact that COVID is real, COVID is very very much a health emergency other issues could be caused and in addition to that then we need to ensure that the commercial rates waiver is extended and that the Hotels Federation of which I'm a member of are calling for that to be extended until at least 
at the end of the year. So central governments need to support the local authorities in giving them the power to offer that uh, extension. And of course, then with hotels or with any, uh, I suppose, mortgage holders, which our employees would have, um, there are there are bank loans and banks need to come forward and provide further moratoriums. And while banks are saying they're doing something uh, in relation to that, we're not seeing it very evident yet, even though the mechanism is there and it's demonstrated to the European uh, Central Bank. So a lot of work needs to be done and we need certainty. Um, our businesses are viable. Tourism is the largest indigenous industry in this country, ahead of agriculture, believe it or not. And in 2019, there were 10.9 million visitors that came into the island of Ireland that contributed 9.2 billion to our economy, or that was four percent of gross national product so in that context we have a viable industry but it's very vulnerable at the moment and governments need to come forward patricia with a suite of further supports and enhancing those supports like the business support schemes uh, which are capped currently at five thousand euro and while that might be beneficial to some medium-sized hotel or hospitality or tourism businesses the larger businesses it's just simply not enough and i think the key word is certainty that's people need Certainty. It's a little bit like, um, you know, this thing of hospitality won't open until the middle of, of the summer. When is the middle of the summer? Is that the middle of June? Is it the middle of July? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, there's commentary again at the weekend that's the middle of July, but I know from looking at children in primary school, uh, the fifth-class fifth curriculum in Irish teaches uh, is teaching where the, the traditional summer months are May, June and July. Exactly. So we don't know. There's confusion. And again, that's where we need certainty. And unfortunately, ad hoc commentary from the government, um, while I'm sure, you know, the government is potentially in an impossible situation, we need clarity. We need a coordinated I suppose, engagement with the sector associations in order to be able to communicate this to our people. And remember this, um, you know, we're in business, I run and operate my own business, but I think it's gone to a stage where it's not just about me anymore and protecting my business, it's about protecting the hundred or so people that I have who are working as part of my organisation and the 160,000 people that are employed in just the hotel sector alone, and that translates to 270,000 people across the entire tourism and hospitality it's a lot of people. Did the news, Michal Martin's interview and, and what he said about hospitality not opening to the middle of the summer, did that come like a bolt out of the blue, Michael, or were you half expecting it? Um, I, I think it was unexpected insofar as that we knew that the government are working towards a revised Living with COVID plan. Um, they're due to, to announce that tomorrow. Um, but I suppose in, 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 in any engagement with, with our with a business, you know, in engaging with our people and our businesses, we communicate directly to them when we have the facts. So it was disappointing to hear information that perhaps me as an employer should have had originally um, available to me so that I could communicate it to my people. Um, is it unexpected? Um, I, I think we have to appreciate that there's massive uncertainty with COVID. The vaccine rollout is coming. There is reports today that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and we accept that. But at the end of the day, there needs to be a coordinated approach towards communication so that we can get everybody thinking in the same line that we will emerge from this. But in emerging, we need to have better communication systems and the supports need to be continued and enhanced from central government to our sector and our industry. And not just our industry, Patricia. I mean, there's a vast swathe of other industries uh, that are affected as well. I'm speaking in terms of the hospitality industry, but, you know, other industries are also affected. 
effective. Yeah. And if if we do go with that the middle of summer is mid-July, would that mean a very bleak year for, for your industry? Should it give a very short summer season for you? Absolutely, without question. Um, you know, the hospitality industry is cyclical in nature insofar as from St. Patrick's Day typically and historically was, would be when your season would kick off uh, and it would run right throughout the year. And in fairness to Fall to Ireland, they've been doing massive work in collaboration with Tourism Ireland over recent years to try and extend that shoulder season. But the core hospitality and tourism season is from St. Patrick's Day right through probably till the October bank holiday weekend or there or thereabouts. So now you look at the possibility that mid-July is particularly potentially being discussed with restrictions in place, um, that they, there's a very concerning um, uh, future ahead of us if we don't have those supports. And with supports, and with the right type of support for our businesses and for our people, we will emerge from that. But governments need to give us clarity. They need to give us certainty in relation to that because piecemeal information is, is I understand it, it's probably the government are, are in, a, in a way blind themselves in terms of what the future will hold. But we need to have that certainty. It's not just about us anymore. It's about our people, Patricia. Yeah, I saw a restaurant owner on Twitter over the weekend following me on Martin's announcement saying that's it, I'll never reopen again. There is a fear that when we come out of all of this, we will lose some of those businesses. And that's a concern. And the concern around that is that when support stop and they will stop I mean everybody expects that to be the case but will businesses be strong enough in order to stand on their own two feet when those supports conclude and that's fine now we need to have those supports continued enhanced and shaped for the industry specific supports that are required in order to help them through because remember back in March of last year the hospitality and tourism industry were the first sector to voluntary close their doors in support with government to try and tackle this pandemic, which nobody foresaw coming uh, as little as as three months prior to, to when it kicked off last year here in Ireland. So in that context, the hospitality sector have played their part. And I know governments have acknowledged that in the support, but we need government to go that step further now, Patricia. Okay, and we're all trying to stay positive and we're all going to have a lovely staycation uh, this summer and the sun is going to be shining. It'll be splitting the rocks non-stop. Uh, are you taking bookings already? Are, are people absolutely. inquiring? Yeah. And, uh, absolutely. And my God, we have to be so thankful to the, 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 the people of Ireland in terms of the support they showed to the hospitality and tourism industry last year they came out and they booked accommodation right through from hotels guest houses right across the country parts of Ireland I didn't even see because of course we were very quick to jump on that plane and go to other destinations around the world when in fact we'd world-class attractions right on our own doorstep and we got to see and learn a little bit more about Ireland so we're seeing that however the booking pace at the moment is a little bit uh, I suppose it's slower than this time last year I can say uh, because I think it's on the basis of of government advice and uh, that in itself again leads back to the communication piece um, and what, what we can expect and what is midsummer. Yeah, okay. Well, let's wait and see what gets announced uh, this week. In the meantime, uh, Micah, thank you for that. Really enjoyed our, our chat and stay safe.
Thank you, Patricia. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. That is uh, Michael Magner, who is the owner of the Vienna Woods Hotel. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. With a reminder, of course, in the next hour, Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, joins us. You can get questions in for Annalise and I'll put uh, put them to her in the next hour. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Sporting organisations and charities have had to come up with new and imaginative ways of fundraising due to the COVID 19 restrictions. So, to discuss an event happening next weekend on behalf of Cork Camogie and Jigsaw Cork, I'm joined by Mary Newman of the Cork Camogie Board. Good morning to you, Mary. First of all, now, Patricia, just to clarify, I'm actually not with the Camogie Board. I and gave up the title a couple of years ago, but I'm just actually helping. I'm on the, uh, the P, I'm on the PR committee with the PRO myself, Linda Mellerick, from Baron, a couple of those of us media people, I suppose. Okay, so um, involved, involved with Cork involved Camogie. It, that will do. It, yes, that exactly. Do. We won't stand yeah. in anyone's toes. Oh, yeah, okay. Exactly, because I, yeah, I yeah. know, but I, um, we're just helping the, yeah, we're perfect. helping them get this event over the line. I mean, the three of us would probably be very well known and, um, as being people who kind of promote and help Camogie. So, yeah. It's okay, fabulous. you're looking for people to walk, to run, to jog, to cycle, or to even crawl for 5K. Is is that the basic idea? That's the idea, Patricia. It's with Jigsaw Park Camogie in association with their sponsors. Black Bee have come together with Jigsaw Cork. Now, as you know, Jigsaw is absolutely fantastic because it's, um, it's, it's a free, non-judgmental, confidential mental health support for the young people aged 12 to 25 who are living, working or studying in Cork. And they've come together with them to organise this fantastic event. And it really, really is um, a great, you know, a great event and a great event to support and get behind. And again, walk, jog, crog crawl, do anything you want to do. But, but keep it within your 5k obviously exactly, you know, and, and, and all exactly, that. And yes. what, there's an entry fee, is, is that the suggestion? Yes, well they can log on to uh, come on Corky, C-A-M-A-N Corky and there is a link there, it's 15 euros, they will get a t-shirt and um, they will be, no, they will be registered for, if they want to do it as a race, they can log their times, they can come back into that that. Um, entry form and log, log their time but look most people won't do it like that most people are going to get out and just support the event and as you say families can do it within their 5k you can go out and cycle the important thing really is just sign up and lend support and as I say it's great, it's jigsaw, it's a great thing especially for the camogie to be linked with, we have so so many youngsters who are at the moment you know not being able, not able to play and it's wonderful for them I suppose to even link with their friends and say look I'm doing this one in my 5k you get out and do it within your 5k and you can have you can, because you are able to meet outside to go for a walk so you could use this I mean stay two metres apart but you could use this as an opportunity to maybe contact a friend that you haven't seen in a while and say look will we do it together and I'll meet you in X spot and we'll, we'll do our 5k together and have a chat as you're going around exactly exactly and I suppose as you say, once they're within their own 5K, it's a great idea because, you know, they won't be, as I say, breaking any rules, won't be breaking any regulations. So they'll just get out, 
do it within their 5k and that's it. Okay, and as you say, Jigsaw is a fantastic service and a confidential mental health support service. Mary, do you think some of your own girls may be struggling with their mental health? Well, I suppose it's so hard to judge, really, Patricia, isn't it? I suppose, you know, all the youngsters definitely would be missing sport, definitely will be missing the, the interaction with their teammates. And um, I suppose, you know, it is tough on them. It's tough on all of us, the coaches, everybody. And I suppose, you know, everybody is struggling, I suppose, with this thing and they really. And while I suppose a lot of them won't, won't um, tell you or won't say anything, it's hard to know. But, I mean, I would think that definitely, definitely somewhere out there, there are young people who are in really, you know, are struggling. Yeah, because they don't even have the schools to be in the classroom with their mates and where someone might notice that somebody's a bit down. That's why exactly, yeah. That's why exactly. we need to keep contact and, and reach out and make yeah. people aware that there are groups like Jigsaw. Exactly. And I think that was the thinking of the Cork Camogie Board um, the committee that, you know, they were linking up with something, you know, that was actually going to get the word out there and pair with them. And as... The PRO Louise was saying to me, I was chatting to her and Maureen, the chairperson, they were saying it was just to make people aware that, you know, this was here. Get out, you know, there's, there are people there for you. And I suppose it's given a good profile to Cork Camogie as well, that they would link up with people like, you know, who are doing such good work and will help players and indeed will help people outside of the game as well. If they need them, they're there. You know, and yeah. it's great to see a group, I suppose, like Cork Mogi. And it's brilliant to see so many people have got behind it. I mean, we had people like Jackie Hurley, Marty Morrissey, Tomas O'Shea from Kerry, all, you know, going on the Cork Mogi Facebook and Twitter brilliant. and promoting the event. It's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, as I say, to say that we were able to capture a Kerry man and get him to get out there. And I know Tomas is doing it himself over the weekend because he told me he'd be doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, he did. I was yeah. to him last week. We actually got on to him. And in fairness to um, to him, he did he did a promo video. No, no problem at all to him. He was more than delighted to do it. And indeed, Marty Marcy and your own film, of course, did it. And Linda, they all did their promos. And or Cork Captain uh, Linda Collins um, and a lot of other prominent people Brilliant. within Camogie and outside of Camogie Jackie Hurley of course all no problem have all rode in behind us and I'm delighted really for the people who are organising it and as I said like the Linda myself we're just helping them to promote it and, Well so, somebody's saying well done and at least the Camogie uh, ladies are not calling to houses selling tickets we've had a little bit of criticism of that of um they cut the GAA going around door to door selling tickets. You aware well, of that? No, well, no. I suppose that's probably clubs yeah. involved doing that famous draw we spoke about. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I thought it was and, that. Yeah, and it's and up to individual. Clubs. Yeah, it's up to individual. Others are just putting them through the letter boxes, but not everyone is is very happy about it. But it, it's, I wouldn't be either, yeah, is yeah. fundraising at this time really difficult, Mary? Very, very difficult. Even my own club, there, no, Patricia, you know. Um, we would have maybe every Christmas ran a Christmas draw. We couldn't do it, obviously, for obvious reasons. First of all, you couldn't have people, first of all, to uh, give you prizes because in the time we're in, that business is struggling. You couldn't have kids. You First of all, you weren't really seeing most of your players to give the tickets to them. The Christmas 
customs draws a big thing in our club. We would have done it in the local um, shopping centre. So we couldn't do that. We, you know, we do bag packing always on October weekend and maybe another one around Easter and that that along with the Christmas draw would kind of help carry us in the following year. And I know every other club is in the exact same position as my club. It's going to be tough. It's a tough year ahead and the Camogie Association and I presume the GAA, I'm not sure, they're all shouting for their registration fees. They want them. They, the insurance want their insurance. Yeah. And like, there's no leeway. You pay it and that's it. And you're kind of saying, but like, we're not playing yet. So what, are, what are we paying it for? People yeah, will but say. If you don't register, yeah. you can't be insured. And if you're not insured, you can't go back training. And then clubs can't meet their their, their children and can't meet the parents to get the money because a lot of clubs, like, again, they're offering an online that your members can register online but what they don't tell you is you're charged for your members giving you the money and you're charged for the the crowd you're doing the registration with giving you the money and then you have to give it back to register them and you're charged again so like I was chatting to a lady from a club the other night who said you know to do all this online registration would take 10% so we say if your membership was 60 euros it's going to cost the club 6 euros for every pair you know club can take you know, a hit like that, clubs, yeah. yeah, and particularly so like, this year, you can't. Yeah, you can. So I think most clubs are just going to hope and pray that when we get back, we'll all be able to collect. And I think most parents, now in fairness, and players will just pay their their fees and say, "Look, look, this is my registration, and look, we're here." And but it's going to be hard when you get back trying to get. Actually, some, somebody saying, does, "Does Mary know uh, when teams will be back training?" Ah, sure, no. Yeah. You'd, lo- you'd love to be able to answer that. I know Mary's bo- is supposed to be know everything, but she look, I haven't a clue. I mean, look at us. I, I don't know. I can't see us being down eating our Easter eggs on our club pitches. I said the other day, I'm not alone, but I just love to be back training. I just love to be able to open the gate and stand on the pitch and say, hello, this is the grass. <laughs> but no, yeah. when, I mean, when do we know? Is it safe? Isn't it safe? I know we were fantastic as I said to you a few months ago in our club we didn't have one of our girls not one our mentor not one got sick we did like I suppose we were ultra ultra we were spraying and we were sanitising hands and we had COVID stations the minute they came training and we were spraying helmets and I think we had the cleanest girls in Cork definitely because we were ultra careful but um there's no light at the end of the tunnel at the moment. But we, all no. all we can do is wait and see what gets announced on this living with yeah. COVID yeah, uh, I'm pl- afraid, plan. Yeah, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that, like, the youngsters especially, will they lose interest? Like, I could see when our gang came back the first time, after the first, as we say, lockdown. It was fantastic. They came in their droves. We had a load of new kids, little tiny tots, and they're mad for action and mad to join and absolutely had a fantastic time up to when we finished the the, the first weekend in December. And like, I'm kind of wondering, like, will all these little ones return? Will the parents be, you know, will they have the same interest? Or, no, I could, like, hopefully I'm wrong and they'll come in their droves again. But, you know, it's hard. They're like, the first time I, you know, you'd walk around, you'd build for your walk, you'd see boys and girls out on the road, maybe with hurleys and yeah. balls, 
We're not seeing that this time. Yeah, I've I have to say, yeah. Where I, where I live, there's a, there's a few great uh, kids and, and GAA families, as I call them, and the kids were always out on. Yeah. And, you know, they make waves as I drive up in the car and you give them the wave and off they go again. And now I know the weather hasn't been great either, but I can't wait to see them back out doing that again. Yeah. I've, I've noticed myself, like around the place, that there hasn't been much of that happening. Like I've been, like I've seen a few young fellas with balls and hurlies but not a lot, you know, not a lot of them. So I just kind of said to myself, like, you know, uh, hopefully, they listen. Interest no, they listen, stuff, they'll be you know. so sick of being locked up at the end of all of this. I think they'll be they'll hopefully. be back in in their drawers. Listen, they can. <laughs> and once again, just remind people where they can register. Right. If you, they can, if you just put "come on" C A M A N Corky into a search a search bar, as we call them, it'll pop up, and registration for the virtual five K is there. And just hit the button. Register, put in your details, and you'll be up and running. Okay. Now, I suppose, like I know, talking to a lady, one of the ladies organising it, she was saying like that with the T-shirt. I suppose at this stage, it's probably they probably won't get them to the people for the weekend because you know they have to probably order them and things. But look, as I said, give away my T-shirt. I just want to go walk. Yeah, and, and, like, and, and there is the, a button to donate if you don't want to do take the walk. part. Just if you don't want to pay the 50 any euros, businesses are any it. businesses out there might like to exactly uh, and there is a button that they can also brilliant. hit to donate to Jigsaw and Corkmogi Virtual 5K if somebody okay. wants to win a fiver or something as well they can do that as well okay you know, listen you, you look out. after yourself and we'll speak again and stay safe I will and I'll have my Harley with me at the okay. weekend walking take care Mary <laughs> bye 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 and anybody who wants to contact Jigsaw and Cork who do amazing work helping uh, young people who are facing mental health issues their telephone number is 021-245-2500 021-245-2500 on the way with Annalise Drissel a nutritional therapist joining us in the next hour Cork Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group promoter Home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Emails to Patricia at c103.ie. Maris on email says, Hi Patricia, thank you for trying to clarify when the Taoiseach said that hospitality wouldn't open until midsummer. And I'm kind of questioning when is midsummer. Uh, Maris says again, more unclear and mixed messaging coming from the government last week. They've told us to stay at home this summer, no international travel, holiday at home instead. But if hospitality industry is closed until mid-July, that means there'll be huge crowds out between then and at least the end of August, a short six-week period. I bet other countries will plan their summers much better than this plan, uh, the one that our government seems to be coming up with. And we will, we will await confirmation, Morris, on the Living with COVID plan and when and we wait for when that's going to get announced this week. Liz in Clonakilty says, I heard you mention uh, Marion, one of our listeners who was in a park in Douglas yesterday and she couldn't get over how busy it was. Well, Liz has also started started to notice how busy our roads are getting. For example, at the weekend she said she noticed two motorhomes and also she says the amount of cars coming into scenic spots in uh, Clonakilty. She said we're locals so we know who the local people are and a lot of these people are certainly not within their 5k. She cites the road to Inchidani yesterday was extremely busy and she said 
everybody on that road could not have been within their 5k uh, limit and uh, she says it's just gone the roads are gone so busy particularly the roads anywhere near the beaches when the weather gets uh, fine and actually when the sun came out yesterday I sort of dreamt about being on Inchidani Beach but obviously it's well outside my 5k but Liz and Clan reckons there are people not sticking to the 5k I'd just be afraid if you, if you were stopped by the guards how, how would you get around it and I know a number of people are saying we need to have more checkpoints out particularly in those scenic uh, areas and more uh, oh this is on post now remember Remember I said I posted a parcel to Devon last uh, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon and it arrived on Saturday morning. I thought that was really, I thought it was really quick. I was really impressed with it. Well, Maura has an even more impressive one. She also posted a parcel last Wednesday. Actually, Ballydeheen, same post office, Maura, I was in. I could have met you there when I was there on Wednesday afternoon. She posted a parcel to America and uh, she said it arrived also on Saturday morning that's, that's, uh, so yeah I, I do think when we're talking about people complaining about the post I think sometimes it can be the post in the other country I think we're getting really good at getting the post out of this country but it's what happens when it arrives the other end but obviously the other end now are cleaning up their act as well and certainly post is starting to arrive uh, much quicker than it was before Christmas but you had all the additional thing of lockdowns and people buying more items online which I know they're still doing today but obviously add to that the normal extra volumes of post at uh, Christmas. Lots of questions coming in for Annalise on text. Thank you for that. What else is coming in? Tim says, Patricia, this COVID is such a scare. I saw quite a number of people standing outside a cafe yesterday and believe me, I didn't see any of them two metres apart. Very sad to see. I feel this is no respect. I also think it's very selfish. These narrow-minded people are set to keep us all in lockdown. Thanking you, Patricia. That's from Tim in uh, Cork City. Patricia, how, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. This is Michael. The more I hear from all of the lobby groups out shouting for things to open or reopen, the more apprehensive I become. We had all of this lobbying before Christmas and look what happened there. The only winners were sadly the undertakers. Would they all just think of what they are doing please and stop and wait at least until a significant amount of people are fully vaccinated before we go down this dead end road again. We are all sick of lockdown but please Stay with it and let's try and exit it once and for all. We will get to the right place with uh, COVID-19, says uh, Michael. And yeah, and you, you are one thing that you are 100% right on is when we get a significant number of people vaccinated. That will be the complete game changer. I was looking at commentary coming from Israel yesterday, the, the poster boy country who now have over 50% of their population vaccinated. They had a very hard, strict lockdown in Israel while they were rolling out the vaccine and they started to come out of lockdown yesterday and they opened up shopping centres non-essential shops all started to reopen yesterday. They also opened leisure centres and gyms. Now you could only get into a leisure centre or gym when you had proof that you had been vaccinated. You had like a vaccination passport uh, allowing people in but life starting to return to normality in Israel because they have 50% of their population vaccinated and now they're 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 now at the wonderful stage because they've so many vaccines available to them that they now are encouraging people to come forward to get 
vaccinated. For example, in Israel, I saw they had vaccination bars up and running. This is to get the younger people. They were having problems getting younger people to come forward for vaccines. So you could go into a bar in Israel, certain vaccination bars, and if you got your vaccine, you got a free drink. Uh, And it just made me smile to think, would we ever get to the stage that we would have that many vaccines in this country that we would be having to do something to encourage people whereas we're at the other end of that scale we have people desperate to get a vaccine and a jab just not available but listen let's keep our fingers crossed the government are saying starting in April I think we should have a million is it a million doses a month from uh, April and I'm really hanging on and hoping for that because if that be the case we should all be vaccinated all the adult population who want to be vaccinated should be vaccinated by midsummer, and that will be Michael you're right that will be the game changer and that's when we can have all the lobby groups won't even be needed because we will be able to reopen the country and reopen it safely. Somebody else says, Patricia, thank you, Michael, for your text. Somebody else says, Patricia, enjoy your holiday this year in your own garden. That's where we'll all be going on holidays uh, this year. Well, if we all get fully vaccinated, I think it'll be a a little bit uh, different. Hi, Patricia, the licensing laws changing proposal that's on the table will only create super pubs and all night nightclubs. Gone will be our traditional pub and when I was looking at these and I need to look into more detail I think we're going to be doing something on it tomorrow these new licensing laws that they're talking about after the pandemic they're not talking about it now that would be my fear that if, you, if we do go for these super pubs I'd hate to see our small traditional bars go and we know already when we come out of COVID we will have already lost a number of them and, and I really hope if they, when they do change and if they do change the laws that they somehow protect the smaller uh, traditional pubs. Hi Patricia, we are not in a proper lockdown at the moment. Lots of stuff going on, lots of places open, lots of traffic on our roads. They must be going somewhere and they don't seem to be getting stopped by the Gardaí. Patricia says somebody else, it makes no sense extending the pub and nightclub hours. If I'm in a nightclub and it closes at one, I'll just wander down the road to the one that's open until two and so on and so on. It will be ridiculous. Someone else is picking up on Marion who contacted us from Douglas Glanmire who was in the park in Douglas yesterday and actually rang the guard. She couldn't get over the number of people that were in there and it made her feel so nervous that she went outside and had her cup of coffee outside instead. Uh, Someone says, if Marion wasn't at the playground, well that would have been one less. Same as people giving out about crowds in supermarkets when they're all in there shopping themselves. It is so funny, says this uh, texter and it's the point I always make if you go somewhere. And Marion did the right thing in the she felt uncomfortable so she went outside the park to have her coffee instead. I'm always saying that if you go into a shop and you feel uncomfortable then leave, go back at another time. You know, just personal responsibility comes into it at all. Someone is suggesting when the plan of living with uh, COVID when it gets announced this week, could they at least let us travel in our own county? That would make such a huge, huge uh, difference. And then a couple of random things coming in, including this one from Eileen to say, Patricia, would you please mention on the radio a black limousine weanling bullock? Missing from the Drimmer League, Drina area since Wednesday evening. Anyone with information, or if you saw anything, could you please let us know as hope of finding him is fading. We can, you can contact Porrick on 87 If you wouldn't mind calling out this message, that's a strange one. Do limousine weanling bullocks go missing that often? That's a really unusual one. I don't think I've called one out like that uh, before. I hope it is found and returned safely to you. And someone else wants to know, has anybody heard whether planning permission has been given for the solar panel farm in the Limlara-Lisgould area? 
anybody update us on that, is Solar Panel Farm for the Liam Laurel School Dairy. Does anybody know if planning has been uh, granted? And a shout out, please, to Grace, Ava and John Boy. They want to say hi to their nana, who's also known as Sis. And they really miss her and love her very much. And I don't know who Sis is or where Sis is living. But Sis, if you have three grandchildren, Grace, Ava and John, they're giving you a shout out today and they really miss you, as indeed do a lot of people missing their, dearly missing their grandparents. Thank you to Michael for this. This is an update on something that happened that broke this morning on an interview on national radio, I'm assuming, with Paul Reid of the uh, HSC and this is to do with there has been an increase while well, numbers are falling and let's be thankful that numbers are falling but we're kind of stuck on that just under a thousand we need to get it down even lower but there seems to be an increase in the younger age group the kind of the 18 to 25 year olds that age group is kind of going up whereas thankfully the older age group there's a huge fall in the COVID positive numbers there which has to be really welcomed but Paul Reid said visits to other households to watch a sports match or just to go in for a cup of coffee rather than large parties are responsible for for the increasing COVID-19 cases amongst younger people. Paul Reid says progress tackling COVID-19 has become stuck despite several weeks of this very strict lockdown. And he says we are seeing growing cases now in younger people from all the evidence so far, though it's not house parties. People are literally visiting a friend. Sure, I'll go over and watch the football match with you, the Super Bowl when it was on. There's a premiership match. I should come over and watch it with me. And he said even just people moving from house to house, going in for a cup of coffee and just having a quick catch up. You think you're doing OK, but if one or the other has COVID-19, that's it. That is where the problem lies. And that's why we are still living under the level five restrictions, which says there is no visiting anybody else's house, even if it's only for a quick catch up and a cup of coffee. And there's loads of people at love to call into and have a cup of coffee uh, with but we know at this moment in time we can't and shouldn't be doing it because you just you never know if you yourself is carrying it are you going to a household and there's somebody in there not knowingly they don't know that they have it and then suddenly they get symptoms suddenly they go forward for testing and you get the phone call to say you are a close contact so stop the house visits please uh, is the message from Paul Reid and hi Patricia I know of people who drove up to Dublin for the weekend and are due back today and they're boasting that there wasn't a guard to be seen. The government won't stop the Brazilian people coming in to work in factories. Why? Because it's all down to uh, greed. There is money to be uh, made. 1850-333-103 and there are a couple of people, if I can find it, who are not impressed with the news, including Jim in Clannacilty. I cannot comprehend the TDs receiving over €100,000 due to a pay increase while no Nurses are struggling with their pay and they're under pressure in wards. Will somebody please, please shout stop? And Heidi says, morning, Patricia. We see now that after all that is going on with COVID and the hardship that most of us are having to cope with, we now read the TDs are to get a pay increase. I would like to ask how they can find the money for this when we are all pulling in our belts as most of us have less money now to live on compared to TDs pay. It is outrageous. And this is the news that TDs are in for a pay increase within months and it will push their wages 
to just over 100,000. The increase is due to the higher earners in the public service, so that will include uh, TDs. It's due to be paid on the 1st of July. It means for TDs, these are the normal TDs, not the ministers, the junior ministers. They are currently on a basic of €98,113. Following this pay increase, their wage, TD's wage, will go to 100,000. 191 euro and senators will rise to just over 70,000 euro and it's all to do with their wages being restored to levels last reached in 2008 before the pay cuts remember the FEMPI the emergency legislation that cut uh, everyone's pay in, in, including the pay of public servants so it's, it's bringing them back up to that uh, level I'm also reading today that uh, the TD the deputies will also be eligible for another 1% pay hike in October that's under proposed new public pay sector deal that's if that gets ratified by the unions uh, tomorrow so there could be another pay increase there but yeah but yeah I'm not ignoring people are saying that they couldn't believe when they're reading that on the papers today that uh, TDs are to get uh, the pay increase yeah it's a hard pill to swallow if you're living on a pop payment and you're struggling to put food on the table and struggling to pay the mortgage or struggling to pay the rent. It is, it's, a, it's a bitter, bitter pill to swallow for sure. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme, here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID-19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie. Hennessy Timber Group in Clonakilty are holding a raffle. It's in aid of Bombulance and the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Great lineup of prizes, including an adventure playset valued at €2,400 to be in with a chance to win. Uh, some of the great prizes on offer, you go to idonate.ie and Hennessy Outdoors Raffle. The draw will uh, take place this uh, week. And Bera. West Family Resource Centre are running online courses through Zoom on Wellbeings. That's on Tuesday mornings um, at 11. They're all free and they're facilitated by experienced support workers. They also have online sessions on mindfulness and self-care for mums on Wednesday mornings and also an evening session on listening skills for parents and carers. To register for the free courses, you can contact Natalie on 086 7806093. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A couple of texts in. They begrudge us workers. This is the TDs. They begrudge us workers on the minimum wage and increase, yet they can feather their own nests. A lot of listeners not happy uh, with that pay increase for uh, TD. Somebody said, when uh, are they getting the pay increase now? No, I think it's July. I think it's July is when it's uh, uh, due to be uh, paid out. Uh, Jim says, Hi Patricia, you were talking about animals going missing. Yeah, with that weaning bullock that is uh, missing. There's a stray beagle hunting dog going around the Newmarket Mwilin area and it has been wandering around lost for the last few weeks. It's on the Newmarket Facebook page and still no one seems to know and nobody seems to be coming forward as to who the owner is. I know they can get lost after a hunt but there's no hunting at the moment so if anybody is missing a beagle dog they might contact you here at the station and is somebody looking after that dog? I'm 
I'm assuming if it's part of a hunt, it surely is microchipped. If somebody can manage to pick up the dog and get it into a vet, the vet will be able to check the microchip and find out who the owner uh, is. Thank you for that, uh, Jim. Carrie Listener says, Patricia, just wondering if certain people can travel outside their 5K. Canarney yesterday had queues of cars, uh, many with Dublin, Cork and Limerick registrations. It's totally unfair and uh, selfish. Now, I know people always say when they see cars with different registrations on it, it could be people living in the area as well. I, I do accept that. But uh, this listener reckoning, it, it appeared to be a lot of people visiting. I just don't know how they're not getting stopped by the guards because we had somebody earlier say uh, in West Cork just on their you know when they're travelling themselves and they're keeping within their 5k one listener said she's getting stopped twice a day by the Gardaí so the Gardaí are, are out and about so I really I can't I, I don't understand how people are managing to listening to what listeners are saying that they're seeing car, cars around and they're not from the area so I don't uh, understand it um, Hi Patricia this is Mary B says all I can say is we can't open schools as Britain is way ahead of us with vaccines and they are only considering opening up their schools in March and yet we in this country are talking about opening up our schools ahead of the UK even though the UK are so far ahead on vaccines Ireland, Ireland is going to make a big boo-boo as in what they already did before Christmas. Those three parties who are running the country are, are not, they are not capable. They all tell a different story. Uh, so between all the three stools, we'll have COVID forever and ever, says Mary. And a couple of other people actually are picking up on how well the UK are uh, doing. And they actually now have, they seem to have all of the older generation done, all of us, I think, a family and uh, friends getting phone calls and hearing. I have a friend of mine who would only be in early 50s and he had his uh, first shot last week and thrilled, thrilled to be get, to be getting it. And uh, the British government actually came out yesterday and they reckon every adult in the UK should have their first COVID vaccination by the 31st of July, which is a month earlier than their previous uh, target. And with that in mind, they're aiming for a cautious plan to open up from the UK lockdown and that's with that many people vaccinated. The previous aim had been that all of the adults in the UK would be vaccinated by September but the new target now says they're well on on track. They're now calling for everyone 50 and over and those who have underlying health conditions, they're all now being called in to get their first vaccinations and they expect to have that whole cohort done by the 15th of April and the, the makers of the two vaccines that they're using in the UK which is the Pfizer and the AstraZeneca have have both experienced supply problems in Europe but in the UK the health secretary there say we now think that we will have the supplies to speed up the vaccination campaign so the UK under a different deal of course to the EU we seem to be getting supply problems that they don't seem to be experiencing in the UK the early success of the UK vaccination effort is welcome news for a country remember this when you look at the UK they have had more than 120,000 COVID deaths they have had the highest death toll in Europe. So they certainly got very wrong in the beginning but they now certainly have cleaned up their act and they're getting it right when it comes to the vaccination. 17.5 million people which is a third of the UK adults have had at least one vaccination shot since their inoculations began back in December. And the UK of course they're delaying giving their second dose until 12 weeks after the first which is now is what funny enough is recommended for AstraZeneca and that's in order to get more people 
partially protected as possible. And of course, they, they, they took a gamble with that. But with the AstraZeneca, now they're saying it is better. You get better efficacy if you delay it by the 12 weeks. And I think that's what we're doing here in this country. If anyone can confirm, did you get the uh, Oxford AstraZeneca? And are you going back in three months for the second one? I think that, that that's what we're doing here as well. And news of the new vaccine target came as Boris Johnson met his senior minister now. And they're starting to now finalise a roadmap out of national lockdown. He's expected to make an announcement on that uh, later on today. But they are being very cautious, even though they've had 17 and a half million people uh, vaccinated. And uh, so we've, we have to be equally as cautious in this country, bearing in mind that we are certainly way, way behind on the vaccination uh, front. And that's not necessarily, you can't blame the government completely for that. We're very much tied in with the EU. Can I just give the shout out to people as well? Because lots of people are sending in examples of it. There's a lot of crank calls scam calls during the round at the moment so just please be careful about answering calls on a number that you don't know if you have a smartphone it learned Tunisia last week was the place where a lot of the scam calls were coming from and on a lot, lot of smartphones it will identify where the call is coming from and on posting cards and letters hi Patricia I posted two cards locally on Thursday last one was delivered the following day Friday and the other one hasn't been delivered yet it might come today you never know 1850 103 John Paul taking your calls where you can text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Going to take a break and we're back with Annalise Dressel. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. The Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie This is the Court Today replay on C103. 
and Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig joining us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome and lots and lots of questions coming in for you. Let's get straight into them. Hi, a question for Annalise, please. What can I do to reduce my cholesterol? I've tried red rice yeast and zero call, but there hasn't been any reduction, thanking you. Okay, so this could be then the one, the person that absolutely the drug designed for. So um, there is a genetic um, high cholesterol issue called hypercholesteremia and people just make too much cholesterol. It's a genetic issue um, and the only, part, the only way really to, do, to solve it is to take the cholesterol tablet. Now, if you, if you have terrible side effects from the cholesterol tablet, the big goal then really is to try and keep your good cholesterol as high as it possibly can. And the fish oils are very good for that. So the two types of cholesterol, Patricia, there's the good and bad. So the good is actually cholesterol that's made in the, the sorry, the bad is the cholesterol that's made in the liver and it's brought around to all different parts of the body because we need cholesterol for things like our hormones and it's used in a lot of cellular processes. And then the good cholesterol is kind of like the little cleaner upper. So it goes around, patrols the body and it gets all old cholesterol that's not needed and it brings it back to the liver to get rid of it. So if you've got a high good cholesterol, that means your ability to clear cholesterol from the rest of the body is very, very good. And there's less likelihood then that it can harden and form plaque. So getting your good cholesterol up is very important. And the best thing for that is fish oils. And you need something that's quite high strength. So you need it to have at least 1,000 milligrams of not just fish oil, but of the actual active omega-3. And I love a brand that I sell here in the shop. It's called Unocardio, U-N-O-C-A-R-D-I-O. And it's a very, very high, pure quality fish oil. And it's got vitamin D in it as well. So you could try that. Um, but if the red rice yeast didn't work and the zero call didn't work, you are probably a candidate for the drug. Um, Anne says, uh, hi Patricia, could you ask Annalise, is vitamin D in Oxiant, which is a multivitamin, sufficient for fighting COVID or should I be taking additional vitamin D? So um, I think it is sufficient, Patricia. There's about a thousand IU um, of vitamin D in Oxalent. And, you know, people often think that bigger is better and more is better. But with vitamin D, vitamin D also helps us absorb calcium from our diet. So the danger of having too much vitamin D is that you'd be absorbing far too much calcium and that will increase your risk of gallstones and kidney stones. But also elevated calcium can harden the cholesterol in that lines our arteries and that's how plaque forms. So it's not a good idea to take more vitamin D really than you need. So I think a thousand I use is more than enough for every adult. Um, unless you've had a blood test that has shown that you are subpar normal levels. But it's always a good time to get tested if you've been taking a vitamin D for the winter months. It's a good time to get your vitamin D levels tested now because you definitely aren't getting it from food or from sunshine. So the only vitamin D that you'd be getting would be from a supplement. So it'll tell you if that's enough or too much for you. Okay. Hi, I'm on a drug, obviously a prescribed drug by the doctor for low mood. I've been on it for the last 10 years, but I'm starting to feel very low. Is there anything else I can take to boost my mood? So that is unfortunately one of the things with the um, antidepressants is that you do build up a tolerance and a resistance to them. So there are a number of different herbs that can help, but bearing in mind that the natural remedies do take time to work because they work at a core level. Uh, One of my favourites is ashwagandha. It's a lovely herb that is for stress-related low mood. You'll get that in any health shop. And the best type is the KSM 88 one. 
So if you go into a health shop, make sure you ask for that particular one. And it's spelled A-S-H-W-A-G-A-H-N-D-A, ashwagandha. Another lovely herb is rhodiola. That takes a bit of time to work, um, but it does improve your ability to cope. So if you're, you know, if you're stressed, low mood and you're finding it difficult to cope, that's a lovely one. You can combine it together with ashwagandha. St. John's wort is a very nice herb for depression and for low mood. Unfortunately, you can only get it on prescription from the doctor, but that's worth a try. And another one that's been getting some attention recently is vitamin B5, um, and that can help. But if you're taking a vitamin B5, I'd take it in conjunction with the B complex because they tend to work together. So you could buy a, a supplement that has a high dose of B5 on its own and supplement it with a second B complex. Okay, hi, this is Breathing Mallow. Uh, could you ask Annalise, please, if taking Viridian Bone Complex is as good as the Calcachew, I'm celiac and I found the Calcachew hard on my stomach, thanking you. So you do need to have quite a robust stomach for the Calcachew because the calcium in it is calcium carbonate, which is the same calcium as we have in chalk. So for a lot of people, it will upset their stomachs. They find it very hard to absorb. And certainly if you're celiac, your ability to absorb will have been... Um, compromised anyway because what happens when you're celiac is that the little villi which are the tiny finger-like projections in our gut that increase surface area for absorption in celiacs these have often been worn away so your surface area for absorption is less so the viridian bone complex has a form of calcium that's much easier to absorb so i would say it's far superior to the calcium if you're a celiac you definitely need to take something that's very easy to absorb Okay, hi. I have severe dry eye and a condition that I can't even pronounce called blepharitis. It's an eye condition. I just Googled it. Anyway, I include oily fish and flaxseed in my diet. I can't take a fish oil supplement as they affect my acid reflux. Reflux. Are there any other supplements I can I can take? Yes. So, um, so I think an omega seven supplement might be very nice. It comes from sea buckthorn which is a plant actually we'll often see grow around the coastlines of Ireland. It has these beautiful orange berries. So sea buckthorn is very high in omega-7, which is great for dry eye, and that should not affect your um, acid reflux at all. Blepharitis is a condition of the eye. Um, the interesting thing about blepharitis is that it's often an allergy to the feces of the demodex mite. Now, the demodex mite lives on our skin, um, and most of us are fine with that. But for some people, they will be highly sensitive to the feces of that mite. Um, and it can either cause blepharitis or it can also cause rosacea in some people. So what I find is very beneficial for that is um, wipes that have, um, I have them here in the shop by um, Scope Healthcare. They're called Optase, O-P-T-A-S-E, Optase. And they are brilliant for killing off the mice in a very gentle and natural way. So they do help with blepharitis in that roundabout way. And they're very gentle and safe. You can use them on the eyelids as well. You can also get it in a spray. I think Optase have just brought out a spray that you can use on your eyelids as well. So that'll benefit the blepharitis. Blepharitis. I couldn't pronounce it. Goodness, what a mouthful. <laughs> Thank you for the correct pronunciation. Hi, Patricia. Uh, could you ask Annalise, uh, could, could you recommend an appetite suppressant? I am following a sensible food plan, but even after a big meal, I still find I'm hungry. Thanking you, a desperate West Cork listener. Yeah, it's a difficult one, Patricia. You know, and there is, I mean, you know, medical community would say that there is no such thing as different um, people, different metabolic types. But for some people, without question, they are not good at um, 
processing carbohydrates and sugars and they create a kind of a roller coaster of up and down blood sugars. Um, and when the blood sugar is low, they get phenomenal cravings and um, especially sugar cravings. Um, so, and then also there's a hormone that's involved in controlling ap- appetite called leptin. And for some people, they would have lower levels of leptin. And that means that they feel hungry all the time. Um, and it's a, it's a condition. It is a known condition. So trying to uh, take a natural supplement to suppress your appetite, I think you need to take an all-round approach. So the first thing I would suggest is something that will help balance your blood sugar. Um, there is a supplement that I tried actually when I was doing a two-week detox this um, January, Patricia, and it was by Viridian. It was the NAC+. Plus. And it's got N-acetylcysteine in there, which is wonderful for like liver support. And um, if your liver is healthy and your pancreas is healthy, that'll help with your blood sugar balance. But there's also cinnamon and chromium in it. Chromium is wonderful for helping with sugar cravings. So you would take that in the morning on an empty stomach. And then the other appetite suppressants are the ones that swell up in your stomach and help you feel full. So they're things like konjac fiber, glucomannan, um, inulin, you'll get these in any health shop and you can get them in powder and capsule form. And the idea is that they swell up in your stomach um, and they, they hold water so you feel fuller. And you take those ideally before you eat so that a lot of the hunger is gone. And then by the time that you eat, chew slowly so that your brain gets the signal you've eaten you should feel very full and satisfied after your meal. And drinking enough. I think a lot of us don't drink enough water. And absolutely, that's an excellent point, Patricia. So a lot of the time people actually are thirsty, not hungry. So have a glass of water before you eat. Sometimes I find as well, Patricia, even having a bowl of soup before your main Mm -hmm. meal, it gets the digestion working well and it starts telling the brain that food is coming and food is going, you know, is is on its way. So it it helps with satiety as well. Okay, stay on gut health. Uh, Hi, Annalise. What would you prescribe for gut health? I get constipated and I feel I don't empty my bowel properly. I saw a thing called Easy Digest. Would you recommend this? Um, It's certainly worth trying, Patricia. So there's a number of reasons that people can suffer from constipation and insufficient um, digestive capacity is one. So you may be, maybe your stomach acid might be weakened and you're not good at breaking down the protein in your stomach or it's possible that you're not producing enough fat digesting enzymes and protein digesting enzymes um, so they're not being broken down sufficiently. And then the last thing that we need is bile, which helps us um, emulsify our fats and prepare them for digestion. So any of those areas could be weakened and taking a good all-around digestive supplement will work. So if you get heartburn, you never take a digestive enzyme that has acid in there because that will aggravate the condition. Um, But if you don't have heartburn and if you feel that when you eat a steak, it sits there for a long time, you could probably take a digestive enzyme with some acid in it that will supplement your stomach acid for that. Um, A lot of them also will have ox bile in there and they'll help if you've poor fat digestion. If you've poor fat digestion, you might feel maybe a little bit nauseous after eating fatty foods or you might find that they run through you very, very quickly and you have kind of loose and floaty stools. Um, So they're very good to help you digest your food. And if they don't work, then it's not an issue with digestion. It's possibly an issue with a food intolerance or possibly um, a bacterial imbalance in the colon 
that is contributing to constipation. But try the digestive enzyme first. Let's see how you get on. Hi, uh, Patricia. I'm pregnant and very sensitive to smells in the kitchen. I have a diffuser. What would Annalise recommend as a nice scent? Anything that would be better than the smell of fry or sausages? Oh, God. And that's yeah. an awful, awful thing when you're pregnant. To, to, and Because you just feel nauseous all the time if all you get a bad time. smell. Well, so what would you put into a diffuser? I would probably use ginger oil and I would drink ginger tea. Ginger is great for any kind of nausea and in actual fact a lot of people find it's better for travel sickness even than the travel sickness drugs. So drink ginger tea and burn a ginger um, oil in your in your diffuser. But for people who do suffer from severe pregnancy nausea, one of the best things is uh, vitamin B6 between 50 and 100 milligrams. Very, very good for um, PMT. I think it helps with progesterone. So it works with PMT where you get very sore and swollen breasts or low mood. And it's very, very good for nausea during pregnancy. So just take that for the first trimester um, only. It's not that it's dangerous taking it a long time. You might develop a, a little bit of tingling in the tips of your fingers if you overdose too much on it. But it certainly it won't harm the baby and it's safe to take. Eileen in Clan, could Annalise recommend a healing remedy for cold sores? So the best thing with cold sores is prevention, really, if you're prone to getting them in the long term. And lysine is the old favourite for that. It's an amino acid, so it's very safe to take in high doses. And most people take a thousand milligrams a day, which is only one gram, so it's not actually very high. Um, they take 1,000 1, milligrams per day as a preventative. And then if you feel a cold sore is coming on, when you feel the tingle, if you start taking it six times a day, it often drives it out. And then if you get a cold sore, I find two things work very well. One is the colloidal silver. Um, spray it on. It's a very good natural antiviral. So if you feel it coming up and spray that on, you can often stop it in, in its tracks. But certainly it won't come up as painful or as big. And then the other thing that I find wonderful is the, um, it's called Biopropolis, B-I-P-R-O-P-O-L-I-S. It's a kind of a cream that comes in a little tube. And again, if you put that on, it takes the pain and the soreness out. And since I've started using that, I haven't had a single scar after a cold sore either. So well done. it works well very well. number of people asking about overactive bladder, including Anne said you mentioned products uh, last week. Could you mention them again? Uh, Mary says, uh, I need to go to the loo every two hours um, with the overactive bladder. What would you recommend? So the uh, Viridian um, came up with a new product in the last two years called Angelica Extract. I think it's Icelandic Angelica Extract. And they have done some clinical trials with it and they have shown that it can help with the signals that contribute to an overactive bladder. People need to take it on average for about eight weeks before they'll notice the benefit. But I've seen in my customers excellent results. It really does seem to work. So I would certainly try that first. Other things then would be things that would contribute to the health of the urinary tract. So if you're prone to getting a burning or cystitis with it, um, something maybe like um, cranbiotics is a nice, probiotic with the good bacteria and cranberry extract in it. The cranberry extract prevents the bad bacteria from sticking on and and causing UTIs and infections. But it's a, there's a big difference if you you know between a UTI and overactive bladder. Sometimes it's just down to the signalling, Patricia. So the Angelica is the one for that. And actually, on the Angelica root as, uh, extract, somebody says, can you take that if you're on a blood pressure and an aspirin tablet? Is it okay to take? You know, I'm always very wary with aspirin and any other blood thinners. It should be fine, Patricia. It's not something that you stay on long term. 
So um, when you're on an aspirin that thins your blood, you have to be careful of other blood thinning natural substances as well. Angelica wouldn't be one of those and it wouldn't interfere, but always err on the side of caution. So if you notice yourself bruising a little bit more than normal or if you do notice you cut yourself and it's very, very slow to clot, stop taking it. But otherwise, it should be perfectly safe to take for three or four months. Could you please ask Annalise, what are the benefits of apple cider vinegar and are they good to boost your metabolism? So people swear by apple cider vinegar, um, Patricia, over the years. I think it's probably one of the best sellers in every health shop. And people have come up with all sorts of claims over the years. Some people swear by it for their immune system. Some people swear by it for um, losing weight and for their metabolism. Um, If you get the raw apple cider vinegar with the mother, Um, in the raw form, the vinegar form, it has got a very high amount of the good bacteria which are great for your gut. And if your gut is working, it can help with bloating, it can help with constipation, it can help everything move properly. So you certainly will um, lose weight. The other thing as well is that like recent research has shown in in a good gut environment, there are bacteria there that actually help with appetite control and with weight gain. So if you've got a healthy gut, those bacteria should thrive and it will help in that roundabout way as well. I, some people swear, Patricia, that they do nothing else different in their diet and they take the apple cider vinegar tablets and they lose weight. So I think the best thing to do is just to try it yourself and see does it work for you. OK. All right. We will leave it uh, there. Your website address again, Annalise, please. It's healthhubstore.com. And not every single product, Patricia, on the uh, that we have in the shop is on the website. So if people can't find it, tell them to ring because we can take orders over the phone as well. Okay. Healthhubstore.com and you'll put a link later on this afternoon to everything we've mentioned today because I know we'll, we'll get calls in about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. There's a section on the homepage called As Mentioned on the Radio. So okay. if you click on that, I'll have all the products up on that. You're very good. Thanks a million, Thanks Annalise. Uh, bye-bye. That is a wonderful Annalise. And our apologies, we didn't get to all of the questions. Uh, we never do of late. It's probably one of our busiest uh, weekly features. That's Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig. Just to wrap up before we go, some of your texts saying, Patricia, why are people angry about TDs getting a pay increase and bringing them up to over €100,000? At the end of the day, it's part of the 340,000 others in the public sector who are all getting the same increase. It is not just the TDs, it's all the public sector uh, workers. Celia says, hi Patricia, are you allowed to travel outside of your 5k to visit a grave? The reason I ask is my mother is buried in Bandon and I live outside of Blarney. Yes, when we were going through the travel restrictions under level 5, it is cited as one of the reasons that you can travel outside your 5k. If you're stopped by the Gardaí, you can explain that you're travelling to your mum's grave and uh, you should be okay. Now, I assume when they allow that, they're not expecting people to travel every day. But if you're going whenever uh, you travel and, and you get stopped, it is okay. And hi, Patricia, just want to share something with you. I live in Ballinine. All of my brothers and sisters live in different counties dotted all over the country. Last Saturday, we got together on Zoom to have a chat, but also to have what we called virtual 
horse racing. We had 50 euro or virtual money each and we put bets on all virtually. It wasn't real money. And then there was a bit of a sing song and it was a great night and hopefully we're going to do it again soon. And there's a fantastic way of staying in contact. Well done. And that's what more people need to do is to reach out and use technology if you have technology. But even the good old fashioned phone, there's nothing to stop people picking up the phone and calling somebody. But that sounded like you had a hoot of a night. Well done and glad to see that you enjoyed it. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing the programme. Mark Malone is in for Nick Richards for the afternoon. So he'll be with you until four, followed by uh, Martina. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a very good Monday afternoon. Look after yourself and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of non-stop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.